to uh, go to El Paso this weekend, this Friday. Actually, we left early in the morning on Friday, and we got back about 5.30. Uh, so that's four hours of driving each way. That's eight hours. So we were in El Paso for, I don't know, three hours, four hours. But it was a really good trip. Uh, we, one of the, we stopped at two places. One place was called the Annunciation House. And this is a picture that you find in the Annunciation House. Um, the Annunciation House is a house right near the border that receives anywhere from 400, sometimes up to 800 people a week that have come up to the border through Central America, some by way of Africa, some by way of other nations, mostly from Central uh, America, and either they get uh, detained at the border because they're trying to cross, or they check themselves in to the border, throwing themselves in the mercy of the American government, seeking asylum because they're coming from places of tremendous uh, oppression, tremendous poverty. They're coming from places where there's violence, and many of whom they've had family members killed by the drug cartel or in, by the government in other cases. And so we have tons of people coming, and you've heard it on the news, right? Um, and one of these, uh, some of these are children, sometimes accompanied by a single parent, some accompanied by two parents, some by no parents. And uh, such was the case with the little boy who drew this mural that now hangs in the Annunciation House. Uh, he drew this picture and he came with two siblings, and they came alone through Central America and experienced tremendous uh, trauma, tremendous suffering. And uh, he, drew, he painted this picture of his hometown. And it was kind of a way of, his, of, of, of therapy for him. And I'm going to zoom up into these people, these, the faces of the people. But you'll notice that these, these faces are intense. You can almost see, in fact, the person, we were with a woman named Linda, and she as first as she saw these faces and looked into their eyes, she said, these are people that have experienced tremendous trauma. These are people that have experienced tremendous pain. And then they, she told us the story, the person giving us the tour, that this was painted by a boy who had made the long journey with his siblings. And this was a painting of the people in his town that he left and would never see again. And as a means of painting this picture, You'll notice if you're in there in person especially, you see the paint is supreme, very heavy on their faces because he kept on going over and over and over again trying to get the faces just right. And he got frustrated because he couldn't get it just right and he wanted to capture their faces and they eventually had to take the painting away from him because he just was obsessing over it, obsessing over it. Another paint, another layer of paint, another layer of paint. And this was his way of just expressing his trauma and, and, and dealing with, with it, and now it hangs in the house. But what's interesting about this boy and his two siblings, the, the man who started the Annunciation House, his name is Ruben Gonzalez, I believe. He was just on NPR a couple days ago. Um, he's, a, he's never been married. He's a bachelor. He's uh, uh, been working on, at Annunciation House for 40 years uh, through all the ebbs and flows of immigration and all the the people that have come through. And when these boys came, he uh, realized that they have been saved and rescued uh, from a a life of tremendous harm and pain and oppression and poverty and violence. And 
But he recognized that they were here. They'd been saved from that. But where could they go from here? They had no place. And so he opened his home. He adopted these three boys as a single man and raised them. Now they're in their 30s. Um, But he gave them a place to be. He gave them a family uh, with which to live and to be loved by and to be supported. Um, And this sums up and really illustrates what we've been talking about with Easter, with resurrection. We've been talking about the last several weeks that the resurrection of Jesus from the dead saves us from so much. It saves us from the power, it breaks the power of sin and death in our life. It breaks the bondage that we find ourselves in. It it breaks the power of sin not only that we've committed, because we've all committed sins, I'll be the first to admit, it says in Scripture, um, in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Paul says, I'm chief among sinners. And I'll say, I'm chief among sinners. We all sin. And when we sin, that has such a powerful grip on us, it separates us from God. It separates us from one another. You look at the world and you look at our families. You look at your relationships, how many how much heartbreak has happened just with your relationships. That's because of sin. And it breaks our relationship with creation, right? It also, so, but the power of the cross is, the power of resurrection is it breaks that hold. It breaks the bondage of sin that we've committed and that separation. It allows us to be reunited, reconciled to God, to one another and to creation. But it also is the power, resurrection is the power to break the power of the sins that have been committed against us. Like this little boy. Tremendous sins have been committed against him and his family and his parents that threaten to define him the rest of his life. Right? This trauma in your life, especially in your early childhood, threatens to define your existence the rest of your life. So many people, so many of us here, are living life trying to overcome the trauma and the sins that have committed, been committed against us. But the good news is, right, the good news of the resurrection is that actually the power of that, those sins committed against you, that, that's been broken. The power of the sins committed against you, the power committed against, uh, of the sins committed against this boy, through no fault of his own, that can be broken, and he can be healed. He can be restored. He can be... Um, set on a new path that's a path of flourishing, a path of life because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's true of all of us. We don't have to be defined by our sins or by the sins committed against us. But we're not only saved from something. That's usually often where we end. We're just saved from sin. We're saved from the sins committed against us. We don't talk about that that much. But that's not the gospel. That's not the full gospel. We're not just saved from something. The good news is we're saved to something. We're saved from the power of sin, from the power of death, from the power of the sins committed against us, but we're also saved to new life and new mission with God. And that's what we talked about um, over the last couple of weeks. And it's the same with this boy. Because today we talk about another effect of the resurrection is that not only we're saved from sin, and to a mission, but we're saved into a family. Like God doesn't just save us and say, go, be on your own, figure it out. We're saved into, from this 
horrific existence, right? From the bondage of sin that we create, sins committed against us. But we're also saved to a new life in a new family, into a new community. So the next effect of the resurrection that I want to talk about is this new community, this new family that's created as a result of Christ's resurrection from the dead. And this is, this is powerful. And I want to go to Ephesians real quick. Oh, that's what I just said. Ephesians real quick. Ephesians 3.10, and we're going to unpack what comes before this in a bit. But this is a powerful verse, and it defines what we call the church. And when I say a new family was created by the resurrection, another word for that is the church. Remember, you did not come to church today. You came as the church to this place. The church is not a building. The church is not any of what you see around here that equals building or walls. It, this, as you look around and you see the people and you hear the breath and you hear the noise of people, that's the church. That's the family that's been created and made by the resurrection. And so it says in Ephesians 3.10, God's intent, His intent was that now, through the church, through this new community, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. We'll unpack this. But the purpose of God in making a new community, He makes a new community by His resurrection, is to put on display, it's like a show and tell. You guys ever remember show and tell? Uh, I, I, I was a substitute teacher in college for a little bit, and I got assigned a uh, two- and three-year-old, like a preschool class, and I thought, oh, that'll be so easy. We'll just do like the days of the week. We'll do show and tell. And man, they ate me, they ate me alive. Show and tell, I didn't even get to show and tell. I was so bummed. Because I got a whole story I'll tell you later. But they, they wrecked me. And teachers had to come rescue me, so I needed salvation. So, but through the church, there's a, we are God's show and tell. The church, the new family, is God's show and tell to who? Of what? First, the wisdom of God, the manifold wisdom of God. We're going we're gonna to unpack that. And we are a show and tell to the powers and authorities, to the, to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. We are God's show and tell. We are telling, and this is one way to say it, the effect of the resurrection, there's a new community, a new family that tells the new story of God's new world. That is our call. We've been saved from sin, made into a new family that then tells this story, this wonderful story of the new world that God is bringing about. He's bringing about through His resurrection. And that's what we talk about. So, First, I want to unpack the new community, the church. How does a church come into existence? How are we here today? God makes a new family by at great cost to Himself, by His great love. I want to unpack this real quick. This is Ephesians 2, 11 through 19, leading up to the verse we just talked about, the manifold wisdom of God. And it says, uh, that, let's start in verse 12. We don't need to talk about circumcision. This is Jews and Gentiles, okay? There's two kinds of people in the world leading up to the point of the cross. There's two categories. There's Jews and there's everyone else. Raise your hand if you're everyone else. Anyone, anyone Jewish in the, in the house? A lot of Jewish people because you're not raising your hands. All right. There's two kinds of people, Jewish people and everyone else. 
before Christ. And this is the state of everyone else, which includes all of us here, I believe. He said, verse 12, Remember that at the time before Christ, you were separate from Christ, the promise of Messiah. You were excluded, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. You were without hope and without God in the world. But now, and this shows up pink here, but it's supposed to be red. But now, in Christ Jesus, here's what changes. But now, in Christ Jesus, you, who once were far away, have been brought near. By what? Can you read it with me? By the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one. And has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. He did this by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself, and I love this, would you say this with me? One new humanity out of the two. Can we do it one more time? One new humanity out of the two. That's a new family. That's a new community. Thus making peace. Don't we need peace in the world? Thus making peace. And in one body, that is the body of Jesus, to reconcile both people groups to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. There's hostility between people groups. There's hostility between Jew and Gentile. And there's hostility between Gentile and Gentile. There's hostility all throughout the world. And by the blood of Jesus, he's torn down that wall of hostility. Then he, he, he came and he preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. So now both people have been made one new humanity and we, bo- we have, as one people, have access to God, can worship God, can be in a place like this together. As many different nationalities and many different backgrounds, we can come together and worship the one God through the one Spirit because Jesus rose from the dead. And look what's happening. Look at how the adjectives change that describe us. Before we were lost, we were strangers, we were alienated, we were excluded. Now we are no longer foreigners, no longer strangers. We are fellow citizens with God's people. We are also members of His household Members of the house of God built. This is now the, the housing metaphor is coming, right? You build the foundation. What's the foundation? The most important part. It's built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. It's built on the testimony and the faithful who have followed God. But the chief cornerstone with Christ Jesus himself as a chief cornerstone, the cornerstone is the most important stabilizing piece of the building of the house. It's what gives it its stability and its shape, and Christ is that cornerstone. So we're being built up into a holy temple, into a household, into a new family, a new people. And look at this. What did we say last week? Romans 8.10? The same Spirit of, that rose Jesus, raised Jesus from the dead is at work and alive in you. The same Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you. And in Him, you two are being built together. We are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by His Spirit. 
Now, if we could get this, I mean, this is profoundly, this is, this is beyond what we can even comprehend, right? That we have been made into the house, the dwelling place of God himself. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in us. So, quickly to close up, the resurrection effect is that we have been made into a new people, a new family, by the blood of Christ. And that we are to tell the story of the manifold wisdom of God. This is your purpose on the earth. Is that when you are saved, you're saved as an individual. You come to God as an individual, but you walk with God as a family. And we're a family on mission. We're a household of God that dwell, that the, the very Spirit of God indwells. And this is the story that we tell. And we, this isn't the fullness, which is what we're going to talk about today. But we are to proclaim the manifold wisdom of God. And we do that through our diversity and through our way of life. And let me explain that. Not yet. Okay, this word manifold in Ephesians 3.10, it says we have been made the church to proclaim the manifold wisdom of God. That word manifold is not like a car part. Manifold is like the multifaceted and even can be translated multicolored. I love that. And we're just talking in context here that God has made all races, all nations, all people groups into one family. He's made possible the dividing wall to be broken down. And now we as this new people have been made into a new family that proclaim and put on display the manifold, multicolored, multifaceted wisdom of God. Is that cool? I think it's cool. I know it's hot in here, but it is cool. It is cool. And you look around. Look around right now. Would you just look around? I feel, I believe, that we are telling that story. We're telling that story of the manifold wisdom of God. The wisdom of God that brings all people together to one table. Old and young, I don't know, I'm not looking at anyone. Old and young, yellow, black, brown, red, and white, rich and poor, some with a little education, some with a little bit more, and some with a lot, Mike Platt. We've all been brought together into this one space to worship God. And when we gather together, when we eat together, when we come to the same table, we're telling a story. It's the true story of God's new work in the world, that God, the world that God is bringing about. So it's no small thing. It is no small thing that we gather together in this place, a diverse group of people, a multicolored, multigenerational, multi-ethnic, multilingual group of people. Because when we do, we say, God is wise. God is good. God is doing something new that isn't, hasn't, that throughout history, we have separated ourselves. We've built up walls of hostility between one another. But God has broken it. And in his new world, there is no division. We've been made one by the blood of Christ. It's our diversity. Let me give you a, a show you what it's going to be like in heaven and even is now in the reality of heaven. This is a vision of, of, of God. It's in Revelation. After this, I looked. 
It's one of my favorite passages in, in Scripture. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude, let your imagination run, all right? A great multitude that no one could number. <coughs> from every nation, from every nation, from all tribes and all peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, that is Jesus, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to the Lord, to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That is, when we pray, Heaven, your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. This is what we pray for. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And you notice that this is not everyone speaking English, okay? Can I say that? God doesn't only understand English. This is every language, every tribe, every culture praising God in their own tongue, with their own culture, with their own background, praising God. And it's this beautiful noise, okay? Because if everyone's speaking a different language and everyone's got different colors and clothes and food and they're coming before, the, for, before God, you've got this beautiful noisy mess is beautiful. Our, one of our core values of this church is the beautiful discomfort of diversity. All right? The beautiful. It's beautiful, but it's uncomfortable because not everyone talks like me or likes the same things I like, and that's uncomfortable. But it's beautiful. And so the manifold wisdom of God is put on display by the new family He's created. And when we gather together and we invite others from our neighborhoods and our workplaces that are different than us, that don't share our background, we're telling a story. And we're bearing witness to the new world that God is bringing about. And so there's distinction here. It's not uniformity. And so let me share, I heard someone say this, the church is supposed to be more like a salad than a smoothie. All right, walk with me here. All right, what happens, our world wants diversity like a smoothie. All right, we want to put in... Uh, our lettuce. I, I was going to bring a blender, but just imagine, all right? We're going to put on our lettuce. What else goes in a salad? Help me out here. Tomatoes. Tomatoes really? Cheese, Cheese yeah. Bread. Bre- bread? Ranch. Croutons, ranch. All right, cool. We're going to mix it all together. We're going to put kidney beans, put some nuts and berries, feta cheese, put all this in here. And then our culture says, hey, we don't really, we're not super comfortable with diversity, like, like everyone like maintaining these distinctions. So let's blend it up. And we all blend it up, and we, that, that's uniformity. And what you're left with is just this mush of bland, one color, monocolor thing. And that's what we look like in our churches. We want diversity, but we want everyone to fit the, the blender. And we want to blend it all up. So what the kingdom of God, the manifold wisdom of God is, the world that God is creating, is more like a salad. All right, you put the lettuce in, you put the spinach in, you put the cheese in, you put the tomatoes in, you put the onions in. Some of you are onions, it's okay. Some of you are croutons. Some of you got ranch dressing, whatever. You put it in there, and it's all together in the same bowl, but it maintains a distinction. It serves the same purpose. It's, there's unity there, but there's distinction. There's diversity. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right, so we'll, we'll roll with it. At least you'll remember it, so that's good. I don't know if it's a good illustration. But we want to be a salad, all right? We don't want to blend everything together. That's why we sang in Spanish. That's why we sang a song from um, 
our, our native brother, Guy Peters. That's why we sing in different languages. That's why we come together. We're proclaiming the manifold wisdom of God. Okay, and then last, and I'll end with this, all right? Our way of life. I won't make this long. Our new community, this new family, has been given a prayer. When disciples ask Jesus, they say, how should we pray? And he says, our Father. Which I love that. Listen to this. Our Father, that's important. Why are we praying our Father? It's not my Father. It's not the American Jesus. It's not the German Jesus. It's our Father. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Where? On earth. As it is where? In heaven. As the people of God, we walk the way of Jesus. We don't just believe in the words of Jesus. We walk the way of Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We, we sometimes just focus on His truth, but we don't live out the way. And the way of Jesus is what we just talked about, living as a diverse community, proclaiming the manifold wisdom of God, and walking in the way of Jesus, which is His way is to see the kingdom of God Come and be realized on earth. And one day he will make that a perfect reality. But what's the kingdom of God? If you look at Revelation 21, it says every, I don't have it on the slide, but every tear will be wiped away. Can you imagine that? Why? What produces tears? Usually sadness, usually sin, usually injustice, usually oppression, usually death, usually grief, usually trauma. And every tear that is a result of injustice and oppression and sin is going to be wiped away. That's what heaven looks like. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. How do we display the manifold wisdom of God? We wipe away tears right now. And we tell the story. It's not going to be perfect. We don't bring, we can't, we can't do it. God is ultimately the one to bring perfection, but we proclaim and we tell the story of the good world that God is bringing about. We wipe away tears. We remove the cause of tears, the injustices that cause the tears. We, we stand against those. We take people into our homes. We advocate for people on the margins. We care for our family members as they're hurt and wounded, as they suffer grief from death. I love this passage. I read it this week. Jesus, the, the, Jesus' opponents ask him a question. And it's about his way. It's about the way of Jesus. They say, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? This is an abomination. This is ridiculous. Why? The reason they ask that is because the whole Roman system and even part of the Jewish system was to uphold um, and maintain a system of injustice through the way that we associate, through our associations, through the way that we even eat together. The way that we gather around the table in the ancient Near East was a way to maintain social distinction and hierarchy and injustice. So men ate with men, women ate with women, rich ate with rich, poor ate with poor. You know, based on ethnicity, we are eating separately. We don't come together. We don't mix. When Jesus comes, and he's supposed to be this pure, 
mighty prophet of, of Israel, and he's supposed to maintain the purity, the, the rules and law of purity, but he, he eats, he eats with tax collectors and sinners. When he does that, he turns upside down the system of injustice and separation, and he says, no, the kingdom of God tells a different story. The new world that God is bringing about is one where rich, poor, uh, black, white men, women were eating at the same table, and we worship the same God. And we are valuable and have worth for God. And that's what Jesus does with his meals. And that's why we eat together all the time. We eat together all the time because it's a power, powerful message and it's a powerful way to display the manifold, multifaceted way of Jesus. Here gives you some ideas of prayer of St. Francis, which he did not pray, but uh, it's attributed to him and his life. May this be our prayer. And each time we, we, we do this, we tell a story of the new world that God is creating. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. The kingdom of God is full of peace. It's ruled by the Prince of Peace. Where there is hatred, where I see hatred in the world, let me sow love. Now, I'm not adding more hatred. I'm not adding more division. I'm bringing love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is darkness, bring light. Where there is sadness, joy. As a church, we proclaim the manifold wisdom of God by being an instrument of peace and of love and of pardon and of faith and of light and of joy. And every time we take that step, even in our own families, we proclaim and we tell the story of the new world that God is bringing about. Every time we choose forgiveness, over bitterness, over every time we turn the other cheek rather than raising another fist, every time that we go the extra mile with that person who's wounded us, every time we welcome and we eat with and we serve people, we're telling a new story of the new world that God is bringing about. And it's my, I just, I'm so grateful to be a part of a community that is trying to live into that. We're not perfect, but it's so good to be a part of that. And I believe we're doing it. And I believe by the grace of God, we're going to continue. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to continue. And I want to call you to keep going. Keep stepping outside your comfort zone. Keep creating spaces of welcome. Keep being hospitable rather than hostile, right? Keep on serving Keep on loving, keep on welcoming, because as we do, we proclaim the manifold, multicolored, multifaceted wisdom of God and the rulers and authorities of the world are watching. And, and we have this beautiful place in the kingdom of God as a new people of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are good, that you have made a new people. And God, I just um, pray for anyone here who has not entered into the family of God through your Son, Jesus Christ. I pray for anyone who is lost and alone and outside the new people that you've made this beautiful reality of every tribe, tongue, and nation to be a part of your family. I pray, Jesus, that you would draw them. I pray that they would believe and trust. And Lord, I pray for us, that we would be a community that displays, puts on display, shows and tells the good news and the good world that you are bringing about through Jesus. 
In Jesus' name, amen. All right, as I said, we eat together a lot, and we will eat together right now. And partly this is to prepare for the Lord's Supper, which we will take together. We're all invited to the Lord's table, those who have placed their faith in Jesus. And Paul says that you are to discern the body. The body is another word for the church. The body of Christ, we're called the body of Christ. We could just talk about the church all day. But we're to discern the body, and you are to discern if you have an offense against anyone or if anyone else has an offense against you. Are you holding unforgiveness in your heart towards anyone in here or anyone outside? We are, we are a forgiven people, forgiven, and we are to be a forgiving people. A forgiven people is a forgiving people. And so you have time as we gather around the table to make things right. You have time to step outside, make a call if you need to. I'm being serious about this because it is real. I know I say it every week, but it is real. When we come to the table of Jesus, he wants us to be right before him and before one another. And so let me just pause for about 10 seconds. Um, If you need to uh, allow the Holy Spirit to just remind you of any relationships that need to be made right or any ways that you sinned against God and just ask Him for His forgiveness. He always is willing and available to forgive. Father, we thank You for the food that You have provided, that You are our provider, that You give us our daily bread. God, we thank You for the forgiveness that we've received from You. And Lord, may we as a forgiven people be people that forgive liberally and well. So uh, we pray that you would bring to mind anything that needs to be made right. Thank you for that as we gather at one table, we proclaim the manifold wisdom of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you're visiting, you'll fit, you'll just step to the side and watch the room transform. Go ahead and jump in line. Go for it. Hey.